Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. A man shall not take his father's wife and shall not uncover his father's skirt. So if you sleep with your father's wife, that's the same thing as seeing your father naked. You're exposing his nakedness when you expose hers, because they're one, just as the Bible says, the man and the wife shall be one. 2. He that is crushed or maimed in his privy parts shall not enter into the assembly of the Lord. If you were made a eunuch, it's not your fault. Or if you got injured somehow and your testicles are crushed, it's not your fault. But because God is a holy God, you cannot enter the sanctuary. Anybody who's maimed, lame, blind, they cannot enter the sanctuary ever. Those people who have physical problems are unclean for life unless they should get miraculously healed. This doesn't mean that God doesn't love them or that God looks down on them in any way. They simply can't enter the sanctuary. What this is a picture of to us is that when we enter heaven, we will be absolutely perfect. Everything that was ever wrong with us is going to be healed and whole. We're going to be young, thin, perfectly fit, no deformities, no blindness, no mental illness, no mental incapacity, no wrinkles, Nothing will be wrong with us. No fingers are going to be missing. No legs are going to be missing. We won't have crooked teeth either. Everything that's wrong now is going to be fixed before we enter heaven. When we go up into the sky to meet Jesus, that's when we'll change. We will be given white robes and a brand new body in the sky before we even meet him in the clouds. We'll already be changed into our eternal glorified bodies that are absolutely perfect. And that's why no maimed people are allowed in the sanctuary, because the sanctuary is a foreshadowing of heaven, God's kingdom. And it's to let the people know that when you come into my kingdom, you will not come in maimed. You will come in in perfection. It's a beautiful promise. So it's not a put down on handicapped people at all. It's a promise to everybody. 3. A bastard shall not enter into the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation shall none of his enter into the assembly of the Lord. Now, a bastard is somebody who was born out of wedlock. Their mom could have been a prostitute, or his or her parents could have been fornicators. It's like they're unclean too, and God says even to the tenth generation of being a bastard. So if you were born out of wedlock to the tenth generation, like your great-great-great-great-great-great-whatever-grandchildren, they could not enter the sanctuary. And again, this isn't because God hates you, because it isn't even your fault if you're a bastard. God knows that. But it's to show that there's no bastards in the kingdom of God, in his family. So even if you're born out of wedlock, when you enter heaven, you will be 100% a child of the king. It doesn't matter what your physical, earthly status was. That's irrelevant. Everybody who enters heaven will be a full-blown child of God. There's no bastards in God's kingdom. That's all that this symbolizes. It doesn't mean anything bad about the person who couldn't help the state that they're in. Whether they're physically maimed or they're born out of wedlock, it isn't about them. It's about God and his holiness and his promise to all of us who go to heaven. For the Ammonite or the Moabite shall not enter into the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation shall none of them enter into the assembly of the Lord forever. Ruth was a Moabite, and she married Boaz, and Boaz was the grandfather of King David. 
But Ruth was the Moabite. The old law says it doesn't matter who the mother is or what her lineage is. It only matters the lineage of the father. Because Boaz was not a Moabite, that meant that his children and his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, none of them were Moabites. They were all Israelites. So Boaz's son was a full-blown Israelite, even though his mother was a Moabite. Your father would have to be a Moabite for this law to apply to you. Remember, the Moabites and the Ammonites came from Lot. Those are Lot's children. Lot was a man of little to no faith. He went to live in Sodom and Gomorrah because it was convenient. And he was afraid of getting along on his own out in nature. And so he took the best land and he ended up moving into the city. And then his daughters, he took them into a cave because he was a fearful man and he was afraid of the whole world. And remember, fear is a sin. So out of his fear, he took them to live in a cave and hide and they didn't want to be without sons. So they got him drunk, had sex with him while he was drunk, and they both got pregnant that way, his daughters. Moab and Ammon were his two sons that came from those two daughters. Those are basically cursed generations. And the Moabites and the Ammonites also ended up being people without faith, and they went completely over to paganism. 5. Because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Aram Naharim to curse thee. They did two sins against the Israelites. One, they wouldn't allow the Israelites to cross their land, and again, it was a lack of faith. They didn't believe God would take care of their needs, and so they wouldn't let their cousins cross the land. They thought their cousins were going to take all the water and all the food. And then secondly, they actually tried to curse Israel with the prophet Balaam. And Balaam later died in that battle that the Israelites fought against them. 6. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Balaam never cursed Israel. 7. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever, so don't make any alliance with them. Don't trade sons and daughters. Don't trade wealth. Don't make alliances with people who hate God, because it will be a curse on you. 8. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. Even though God destroyed Egypt at one point, and then it had to rebuild itself, he still honors the fact that Israel was in Egypt for 400 years. That's probably why God never allowed them to be completely destroyed. And the Edomites are also cousins of the Israelites, because they come from Esau, and Esau was the brother of Israel. 9. The children of the third generation that are born unto them may enter into the assembly of the Lord. 10. When thou goest forth and camp against thine enemies, then thou shalt keep thee from every evil thing. 11. If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of that which chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp. He shall not come within the camp. If you're going to battle for the Lord, you have to be sanctified in order to do that, which means you don't have sex with your wife, um, you don't have a disease. That's why later on, when King David brought Uriah out of the battle and told him to go home, and Uriah told King David, I can't go home and sleep with my wife because I'm still fighting. I'm still in charge of all those men, and they're not allowed to go home and sleep with their wives. So Uriah slept outside in an alleyway of the city. He was honoring this law. 12. But it shall be, when evening cometh on, he shall bathe himself in water, and when the sun is down, he may come within the camp. 
and that's because always in the law at dusk when the sun goes down is the beginning of a new day you take a bath when the new day comes you're clean 13 thou shalt have a place also without the camp whither thou shalt go forth abroad 14 and thou shalt have a paddle among thy weapons and it shall be when thou sittest down abroad thou shalt dig therewith and shalt turn back and cover that which cometh from thee what he's telling them is don't poop in the camp that's filthy and because i'm with you i don't want to look at your poop or smell your poop each soldier carries his own paddle in his equipment your paddle won't get poop on it because you only use it for digging you take your paddle out dig a hole and poop in the hole after you've wiped yourself with moss or leaves or whatever, you put that in the hole too. Then you cover your poop. That way when people are walking around the camp, they're not going to step on poop. They're just going to step on these little mounds of dirt. That's why when you're camping, you need to have a little spade. Five, for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unseemly thing in thee and turn away from thee. God is saying, if your camp is full of poop, I'm going to leave. 16. Thou shalt not deliver unto his master a bondman that is escaped from his master unto thee. 17. He shall dwell with thee in the midst of thee, in the place which he shall choose within one of thy gates, where it liketh him best, thou shalt not wrong him. Now this is interesting, isn't it? Because God says that we are our brother's keeper, so if our brother loses property, we have to return it. Except in the case of a slave. If a slave ran away from somebody, it's probably because the master was being very cruel. So in that case, you don't take the slave back, you keep him. Because a runaway slave, God knows, is a slave that was being abused. 18. There shall be no harlot of the daughters of Israel, neither shall there be a sodomite of the sons of Israel. There were temple prostitutes, some were women, and some were men. There were actually men who the pagans would go into the temple and sodomize the men. And they might even sodomize the women too, I don't know. But anyway, they would sodomize the men, and these, these were temple prostitutes. Harlotry is evil whether you're a male or a female, it doesn't matter which. And sodomy is always evil. Now, also in the New Testament, Jesus said more than once in the New Testament that sodomites will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the New Testament even says homosexuals and sodomites. It says that because God knows you don't have to be a homosexual to be a sodomite. Most people who commit sodomy are actually heterosexual. Everybody who thinks that they're good with God because they're not a homosexual, they need to look at what they are doing because if they're still committing sodomy, they're not good with God. They're still sinning and they will go to hell just like the homosexuals will. I don't understand why Christians overlook this law that we're not allowed to commit sodomy and they think that if they're in heterosexual marriage, they can commit sodomy and it's fine. It's not fine. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God condemns sodomy. What the pagans had was you would actually go into the pagan temple and you would pay the male or female prostitute to service you. And then that was how you worshipped that pagan god. And the pagans still do this today. I don't know if they pay. I haven't heard that. But they do still have perverted sex as part of their Satan worship. 19. Thou shalt not bring the hire of a harlot or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow, for even both these are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. It calls the male prostitute a dog because of the position of when the sodomy takes place. Now in the New Testament, dogs are also mentioned as people, so we know that that means male prostitutes. And again, sodomy is evil because it mocks the commandment to reproduce, and that's why God hates it.
we already read the story of Tamar and how she pretended to be a prostitute and she had sex with her father-in-law after her husband had died. But in that case, she was pronounced more righteous than him because, first of all, she didn't get any money. She returned everything he gave her. She never took the goat. She wasn't really being a harlot. She was just trying to get her just due, which was a child. According to God's law, he had to give her a child, and that's all that she got. That's why he said that she was more righteous than he was. 20. Thou shalt not lend upon interest to thy brother, interest of money, interest of victuals, interest of anything that is lent upon interest. When you give money to help somebody out who is a child of God, you are not allowed to get interest. They only have to pay back exactly what you gave them. 21. Unto a foreigner thou mayest lend upon interest, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon interest, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou puttest thy hand unto, in the land whither thou goest in to possess it. You can't profit off of the children of God. If you're going to do something for somebody, just do it out of the kindness of your heart. Don't expect anything back. That's what Jesus said. And in the old law, you could expect kind for kind, but you couldn't expect more than that. Unless it was a foreigner, then you're allowed to have business transactions that include interest with non-Israelites. But Jesus in the New Covenant, he says, whatever anybody asks of you, just give it to them, whether they're your brother or not. 22. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not be slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be a sin in thee. So if you make God a promise, you have to keep it, or it's sin. 23. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. It's better not to promise God anything at all than to promise him something and not keep it. 24. That which is gone out of thy lips thou shalt observe and do, according as thou hast vowed freely unto the Lord thy God, even that which thou hast promised with thy mouth. 25. When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat grapes until thou have enough at thine own pleasure, but thou shalt not put any in thy vessel. If you're walking in somebody else's field, you can eat whatever you eat on the spot because you're a creature of God and he made food for all of his creatures. Just like the birds can come and eat from the field, although the farmer wouldn't like that. Humans can do it too, but you can't take any home. You can't stuff it in your pockets. If you don't actually need it in that moment for your hunger, then anything beyond that is stealing. 26. When thou comest into thy neighbor's standing corn, then thou mayest pluck ears with thy hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. You can't harvest it and take it home, but if you're hungry, you can eat whatever you eat while you're standing there. Now, in the New Testament, there was a time where Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grain fields, and his disciples were eating the grain, and it was a Sabbath. And the Pharisees said, you're breaking the law because you're working. The Pharisees said it was working, but it wasn't working. It was eating because they weren't harvesting anything. They were only standing there eating, which is not considered work. God didn't say you can't eat on the Sabbath. He said you can't work on the Sabbath. They were totally lying and perverting God's law because it's right here in Deuteronomy 23:26 that you are allowed to eat standing grain. You just can't harvest it if it isn't yours. And of course, you can't harvest on the Sabbath. Another time, they said that the disciples couldn't eat it because they hadn't washed their hands. But God never required that you wash your hands before every meal. He only required it in the temple rituals. And so they weren't sinning at all. And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 23.